0: Hi, I'm Pastor Brady, and welcome to week seven of our eight-week series called Upside Down, where we have been taking a deep look into the Sermon on the Mount that we find in Matthew chapters 5 through 7. This time, we're going to be talking a lot about our possessions and things of this world. Again, it's just great to have you all here tonight because tonight marks week seven. If you can believe it, we're in week seven of our eight-week series, almost at the end. We're in week seven of our eight-week series called Upside Down, where we have been going through the Sermon on the Mount. It's a sermon that we find in Matthew chapters five through seven, where we see Jesus giving us some of the greatest teachings that we can apply to our lives. And so we've been keeping this one verse kind of in our minds at the start of every single one of these lessons. We've been going over this verse because we want to really keep this at the front of our minds as we're reading and studying through the Sermon on the Mount. Because at the end of it, Jesus said, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. So that's what we want to do. We want to build our house on solid rock. We want to follow through with what it is that we are listening and reading about. So with that in mind, what did we talk about last week? Grant Thompson, what did we talk about last week? We did indeed talk about deeds of righteousness or righteous deeds, religious deeds, good deeds. It's kind of all worded in all kinds of different ways. Well done, Grant Thompson, well done. You know, right before we came over here, Grant pulls me aside and he's like, hey, um, what did we talk about again last week? No, I'm, not, no, I'm just kind of curious. Just want a quick refresher. Well, at least you remembered in like the five minutes that I last told you. So props to you, Grant. Props to you. But yeah, we talked about these deeds of righteousness, these religious deeds. And we talked about ones like giving to the needy, praying, fasting. You may have talked about other ones in your small groups like going to church, reading our Bible and so on. And so as we were talking about these, you know, religious deeds, we kept a focus on Matthew 6 verse 1, where Jesus said this, where he said, watch out, don't do your deeds of righteousness publicly in order to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. And so the entire point of last week's message was saying, we want to be sure that we are practicing these good deeds, but the reasoning behind them is not to get attention from others. The only reason we want to do these deeds is so that we can bring our Father in heaven the glory. And then he will give us the reward. So that's kind of what we talked about last week. But tonight, we're going to be shifting our attention to the next section of the Sermon on the Mountain. As we do, i got a question for you, a very difficult question. If your house just so happened to be caught on fire, and you could only grab one thing maybe two, out of your house, as you're running out, out of the fire, what would you grab? And now I'll just say a little caveat, like people, dogs, like any living thing, they already made it out. I'm talking like inanimate objects because everyone's gonna say their dog, you know, I might say my cat, it's 50-50. But what would you all say? What would you all say? Tony, we'll start with you. Your frog blanket? Okay, that's adorable. Your frog blanket that you had since you were two. That's actually really, that's really cute. Hartley, what would you grab? I'm going to guess that dog dog happens to be a dog. Nice. So the stuffed animal dog dog. We're getting like these like cute little sentimental items. Colt, what would you You take? Liam, I don't think you can physically grab Fortnite. But I, what else? I got no response to that. What else we got? Reese? Yeah, your phone. Yeah, that's 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 a pretty easy one. Yeah, just grab your phone, Dunkaroo. Yeah, again, like 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 sentimental things like that. Jude, what would you grab? Yeah, you could grab like maybe like I said, maybe two things. Maybe like your phone and one other thing. I don't think you'd be able to grab everything in your room, but you want You don't have time. You gotta you gotta be quick. That fire's right there. Now. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, in this in this made-up scenario, you can only grab okay. So you'll get the chance to discuss this question in your small groups, so but there's one final person I want to ask. Someone who actually experienced a slight ha- house fire, okay. Macy. What what would you grab in this scenario, um, or what did you grab I in this scenario? The, I probably would grab my school stuff. Oh yeah. Hey, that's fair. <laughs> Grabbing school stuff. I think you just made all. All of your teachers just shed a tear of joy upon hearing that. <laughs> I would throw that into the <laughs> <laughs> Just to, to try and try and put the fire out. Let me just toss in my backpack. Yeah, sorry, Chromebook. Well, I asked this question. I asked this question to some of like the other pastors uh, here at the church, and it was very interesting what they said. And I'm really bummed out that Addie and Landon Keypart aren't here, so they could hear what their dad had to say. But but this is, uh, this is what they said. So Pastor Bill, he said, I got to grab my laptop. You know, a lot of important stuff on there. Got to grab my laptop. <coughs> Pastor Ray, he was also practical. He's like, I got to grab my phone and my wallet. Two really important things. Got to grab them. And then Sean, he's like, well, I have this folder of really important documents, like the deed to my house and other things. So I got to make sure I grab that. I was like, that makes sense. And he's like, I do have a second thing I would probably grab. My favorite soccer jersey. And... Now, I didn't give Sean the caveat of like, your kids get out before, before no, I'm kidding, I did, I did, I did, I'm, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. But it was, it was interesting, kind of like, when we are kind of faced with a question like that, it gets us to kind of think just how we value possessions, how we value different things. And so maybe we value something because it has a lot of sentimental value, like a froggy blanket that we've had since we were two. Or maybe we grab something because it's just valuable, like money-wise, it's valuable. So, you know, Liam, I don't want to know how much money you put into Fortnite with all your skins that you've probably bought. I don't even, I don't want to know. So that's why you would grab Fortnite, even though you can't physically grab it in the first place. But because it has a lot of maybe like money value to it. But the thing is, each of us here in this room, and really every single person on this earth, We cherish these earthly possessions, like these possessions that we have. We cherish them in one way or another. And so that's what our next section of the Sermon on the Mount is all about. It's talking about how exactly we are supposed to view possessions. And so that's what Jesus is going to be talking about. So we're going to just read what exactly he has to say. And so let's listen to this. As he's on that mountainside teaching to that large crowd of followers, he proceeds to share these words. He says don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Instead, he says, store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. And then a few verses later, he says this, no one can serve two masters for you will hate one and love the other You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. So that's Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 21, and we jumped ahead to verse 24 there. And so as we're pondering over these words that we just read, I want to get serious for a moment, and I want to read you some pretty shocking statistics that I found as I was prepping for tonight's lesson. So I just want to get serious for a moment. I just want you to hear this, because as I was reading through these, I mean, it was just jaw-dropping how staggering some of these uh, statistics were. So let's just, let me just read this first one. More than one people billion in the world live on less than $1 a day. Um. Keep going. about 3 billion people in our world live on less than $2 a day. Roughly 12% of the American population live under the poverty line. And this last one that I want to share with you, this is kind of hits closer to home. So people who live in the Waynesboro and Greencastle school district area, so not a large area, I mean, that's, that, is, that is right where we are. Our food pantry here at the church serves people only who live in that area. And in the last two years, I was just looking at the stats uh, this past week, we have seen a 238% increase in the amount of people who are coming to our food pantry. In our area, like in our backyard, people who need food because they don't have any. That's why I'm talking about raising, you know, salt and pepper, gathering salt and pepper to help people out. We did the peanut butter fundraiser. You saw the kids doing that and all kinds of things. Like, this is happening all around us. So I just want you to take a moment as you look over these stats and as you think over the words that Jesus shared, I want you to just think for a moment and ponder about all the possessions that you have. Like, I want you to think about all the possessions you have. Maybe it's like things that you have on you right now. Maybe it's things that you have in your room back at home. Maybe it's things you have in your locker at school. Just, I want you just to think about all of the different possessions that you happen to have. And so as I was writing my lesson and I was challenging myself with this, I started to think, okay, well, let me look around my office here. And I started to notice, wow, i got a lot of stuff. Like, as I noticed, I realized I had six different, like, screens looking at me because I have, like, my three monitors set up for my computer that I work on. I had my laptop that was there beside me. I had my phone. And then I had the iPad, like all six of these were just kind of like there on my desk. And I was like, that's insane. But not only that, as I continued to look around, I was like, oh, there's like a Yeti water bottle, which I don't know how the cost, but I'm sure they're expensive. It's like there's a Yeti water bottle I was using to drink water from to make sure my water stayed ice cold. And then behind me had a little heater that as it's starting to get a little bit chillier with the fall weather, I can plug in my heater so that way I can stay nice and toasty warm. But not only that, I continued to look around. Oh, over here, there's a really expensive DSLR camera that I use to shoot some videos for some church stuff that we do. It's like, well, there's that right there. And then I found perhaps the most prized possession in my office, a Bob Ross wig. It was still there from our paint night a few years ago. And I jokingly add that last one in, but the real thing is, as I was just looking around my office my office in the church that is meant to help people, I realized I had so many things in there that were worth more than what some people in the world will ever see in their lifetime. Like what is in my office is worth more money than what some people will ever get the chance to see in their lifetime. And that just hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, holy cow. Because I can tell you, the life that Jesus lived He was living a life probably on that less than a dollar a day type of lifestyle. That's the kind of lifestyle that Jesus lived. Because the only thing that Jesus had were the clothes on his back, the sandals on his feet. And that was about it. Like the food that he would eat, he either would have, you know, had someone give it to him in donation. It would have been through maybe farming or fishing. Like that's how he would have got his food. Like, Jesus would have known what it was like to be excruciatingly hungry and so, so thirsty. Like, we played some floor hockey before this, and I got to say, after that, I was like, man, I'm pretty thirsty, and a lot of us were, and it was so easy. Ah, sure, let's just go to the kitchen, and let's grab a water bottle of this nice purified water, and let's just get a drink, so that way we're all fine. But I know Jesus knew what it was like to just be dying and dying of thirst And the interesting thing is, is, as Jesus is sharing these words about possessions, you would have had a very diverse group on that mountainside listening to Jesus' words. Like you would have had people who were kind of living that same lifestyle that Jesus was living, except they would have been forced to live that kind of lifestyle, one of having so little possession except for the clothes on their back. But on the other hand, you would have had people that are kind of like us. We got so, so much. We have so much. They would have been the kind of people that had plenty of extra clothes. They would have been people who who got the chance to eat the best food. People who got the chance to experience the highest quality of entertainment. And what's fascinating is Jesus could have very, very easily given himself those things. Like, Jesus could have given himself the easiest life here on earth with all of the possessions, all of the wealth, all of the food, anything that anyone could ever ask for. Jesus could have given himself that, but he didn't. So the question here is, why? Why do you think Jesus chose to live a life with zero possessions and zero wealth, like so little possessions and wealth? It would be a selfish act. It would be living a life of only trying to help himself, not trying to help others. Hmm. I think that's right on. And I think the other thing as we talk about this, I think it all kind of lies within what he's trying to teach us as he's living it out. What he's trying to teach us with those words that we read earlier in verse 19 here in chapter 6, whenever he said, don't store up treasures here on earth. But why does he tell us this? Like, is Jesus trying to like spark some, you know, like new economic theory for us to follow and whatnot? Those of you who are like in an economics class, you might understand that reference. But I don't think Jesus is trying to like spark some new way of economics that we're supposed to do life. But what I believe Jesus is really trying to teach us here, and I think the entire point of this passage of what Jesus is trying to get at, I think it's all about idolatry. And what is idolatry? What does that mean? Hartley? Yeah. Yeah, I think that is, that is, that is right on track. So yeah, it, it, we have the word idol in it. So it's talking about things that we, as you mentioned, things that we dwell on, uh, things that we just put our soul focus on. And so pretty much with idolatry, it's kind of summed up in what exactly it is that we, what we worship what we've put our whole time and effort into. And here in 2023 America, I bet the number one thing in our country would be money. It'd be money and possessions. That would probably be the number one thing in our country that people worship. And so I want to talk about that here. I just want to talk about these earthly treasures that Jesus mentions. And how exactly it is that they they trap us and how they control us. And so going back to that verse 19 that Jesus started this portion of the Sermon on the Mount with, he says about, he's talking about our treasures on earth. And he said not to store them, but he then explained to us why. He said, I don't want you to store treasures on earth. And then he gave us a reason. What was that reason? What was that reason we're talking about? it, June? Yeah, so like on earth, like possessions and things, they'll decay, be destroyed, be stolen. Yeah, that's exactly right. As we read, he says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths can eat them and rust destroys them and thieves break in and steal. And essentially what this entire verse is getting at, and I think the key thing it's trying to get us to learn, is that earthly possessions are temporary. Earthly possessions are temporary. I want you to say that with me. Earthly possessions are temporary. So things that were on that list and things that, you know, I mentioned are probably on my list, like a phone, a wallet, cherished blankies and stuffed animals, those things are only temporary. And this sounds harsh, but those things will become trash one day ever thought about that? Like the only thing that separates something that you cherish right now, like your cherished blankie, the only thing that separates it from being a cherished item and trash is just a little bit of time. Because there's going to be a day where it's going to be viewed as trash. Let me give you an example. See, this is uh, this is little Brady. This is where you all say, aww. <laughs> I'll take it even if it's forced. But my treasured possessions as a young uh, baby and toddler were cars and trucks. I would just go all across the carpet constantly with these cars and trucks. I love them. They were my greatest possession here on earth. I treasured them. No one was allowed to play with them except for me. They were mine. Well, let me tell you, I have no idea what happened to the tractor car thing in that picture. It's probably in a landfill right now, trashed, and that's the thing, it's worthless to me now. It's worthless to me now. And so that's what I believe Jesus is trying to teach us here. He's saying things like money, things like wealth and possessions, they are not going to last. They are only temporary. And I really love the way, I want to read a portion from you from 1 Timothy 6, where the Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy, and he kind of explains this in this just beautiful way. I loved how he said it. He said, after all, we brought nothing with us into, uh, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us whenever we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. He goes on to say, but people who long to be rich, they fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. I'm sure you've heard this before, this phrase. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered far from the truth and pierced themselves with many sorrows. So that's the first thing I believe Jesus is teaching us about these earthly possessions. He's saying they are not going to last. They're only temporary. They are not going to last. The next part that I believe Jesus is telling us is our big problem with earthly possessions is that they control us. These earthly possessions, we can let them control us. Listen again to what Jesus said in verse 24 here in Matthew 6. He says, no one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. And so let me ask you all, what does it mean to be under the control of something? Or What does it mean to be, you know, if someone is your master, what does that mean? Macy, any decisions you make is based off its influence. That is like perfect word for word, almost like what I have here. That is exactly right. And like I typically, like when we think of like things controlling us, like we think like mind control in the movies type of deal. But the fact is these earthly possessions, these earthly treasures, they can have such, such strong holds on our lives. Let me give you an example. You guys familiar with uh, Ebenezer Scrooge from A Christmas Carol? You know, Christmas season's coming up. And uh, let me see if I can, oh, oh, there he is. There's beautiful Scrooge right there. So this is, all, this is all Ebenezer Scrooge. And so a lot of us were pretty familiar with this story. Uh, it was like the, the Christmas Carol written by Charles Dickin, uh, Dickens in uh, 1843. It goes way back. But let me ask you, what do you know about Scrooge? In the very beginning of the movie, what do we learn about old Scrooge? Jude? Nobody likes him. Nobody likes him. That's exactly right. What else do we learn about Scrooge? Shelby? He is very, very addicted to money. What else? We'll go, Miriam? He doesn't, care else. he doesn't care about anyone else. That's exactly right. We'll do one more. Dalton? He treats others with disrespect. So, yeah, as we can see, old Scrooge here, he is grumpy, cranky, lonely. No one likes him. He doesn't like anything. His only focus in life was money. That was his only focus in life. It was money this, money that. Who cares about family? Who cares about church? Who cares about anything? In Scrooge's world, it revolved around money and possessions and nothing else. And what did it lead to for old Scrooge? It led to him being this gray-haired, grumpy old guy with a permanent frown on his face. He was lonely. We look at that And when we watch the start of that movie, we look at that and be like, man, what a sad, sad life he must have lived. But this is what Jesus is warning about right here. Like he is warning us that it is so easy to become like a Scrooge in our world, to be addicted to money, to be addicted to, you know, these possessions where they control us, where by the time we're like Scrooge and we are old, we're going to look back and be like, what have I done? Like, why did I waste my life away? Do not let your desire for earthly possessions control your life. And I do just want to kind of be clear about something. Things like shoes, clothes, cars, even phones, like things like that, like, they're not bad things to own. Like, it is okay to own those things. But I think the whole entire thing where, where we can really learn from Jesus' words is it's all about understanding our purpose behind them, our heart behind owning them. Like for me, I have, I to not tell you the exact number of shoes, but I know I have different pairs of shoes that really have like a specific purpose. Where I have like flip-flops that I might wear like during the summer when I'm at the beach, I have sneakers that I wear pretty much every single day I have dress shoes that I wear on Sunday mornings only and then I might have like I think I might have like an old pair of soccer cleats and other things like these shoes have like a specific purpose for each thing now I don't want to make myself sound like some great person but something that can be really easy is for us just to like ooh, let me just get a bunch of different pairs of shoes You know, I was talking to someone earlier this morning at church, talking about how he helped his mother-in-law to move, and she had, quite literally, he described it as a four foot by, it was like four foot by four foot by four foot cube full of shoes. That is a lot of shoes. And so it's kind of like, what is your heart behind owning them? And so you're going to get the chance to talk a little bit more about that In your small groups, but again, I just want to reread Paul's words to Timothy. I think the entire thing that we have to understand is that it's the love for money and for possessions that is the root of all evil. Having money, having possessions, that's not inherently wrong, but the problem we can get ourselves in is our love for those things and when you do fall in love with those things that's when you become like a scrooge it's not because you had money it's because of your love for it so don't let money and don't let earthly treasures and possessions don't let them control you instead jesus tells us this he says store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal treasures in heaven we're talking about treasures that last But what does that mean? Because that's kind of of weird. It's kind of hard for us to understand. Because what kind of treasures are, like what kind of treasure is a treasure of heaven? What kind of treasure is something that lasts? Because the problem with us is when we think of treasures, the first thing that pops in our mind, at least my mind, is like, I think of like a pirate movie and like a treasure of gold. Again, my mind always goes back to earthly possessions and wealth. But Jesus is saying, no, that's, that's not it. We're talking about heavenly treasures. So what is a heavenly treasure? Well, if you ask me, each of you in this room is a heavenly treasure. You are a heavenly treasure that lasts. You might be sitting here thinking, "Um, Brady, you may not have heard about this, but people die, so they don't necessarily last. So what exactly are you talking about here? Well, let me explain myself, and I'm actually going to use the words of someone far smarter than I, uh, C.S. Lewis. He explained this really, really cool. And so he said it like this. He says, remember, we Christians think that man lives forever. Therefore, what really matters, what truly matters is those little marks or twists on the central inside part of the soul, which are going to turn it in the long run into a heavenly or into a hellish creature. Because we as Christians, we believe that when our physical bodies pass away, that's not the end. In fact, it's just the beginning of our eternal life. That's what we believe. So the kind of treasure that lasts, that is each of you. Like You are the kind of treasure that lasts. And so what are we talking about when we're talking about storing up treasures in heaven? What can we do to store up treasures in heaven? What does this mean? Well, I believe the answer to that really lies in Matthew 22, verse 37, where Jesus, he kind of answers this question for us about how do we store up treasures in heaven? Because he tells us this, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself, and the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two simple commandments. You see, when we start living out these two commandments, when we live them out to the fullest, that's when we start to store up that treasure in heaven. It's that Jesus Creed that we talked about a few weeks ago. It's loving God and loving others. Because when we start to really buy into this, when we really start to live out the Jesus Creed and we view our life by the Jesus Creed of loving God and loving others, we start to view everything differently. We view our possessions differently. We view our time, our resources. We start to view everything differently. Instead of our selfishness, how we are kind of born into in our sinful nature, we start to look at it instead through the eyes of Jesus. Jesus. We start to look at it in the light of loving God and loving others. And so I want to read uh, this one more verse here. It's uh, right in the middle. We kind of skipped past it earlier when reading this passage. But I think Jesus explains this perfectly. When he's talking about storing up treasures in heaven, he tells us this in Matthew uh, chapter 6, verse 22. He says, Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. In other words, what we're reading here, what Jesus is explaining is that when you start to see the world through that Jesus creed, that loving God, loving others kind of mindset, you start to see the world and you start to see all of its earthly possessions. You start to see it the same way that Jesus does. And we find ourselves starting to treasure things around us just a little bit differently than before. And so as we conclude here, I just have one final question that I want you to really just wrestle with, which is talking about how can we start practicing this? How can we start practicing storing up these heavenly treasures? In other words, how can we show our love of God to others in a way that helps them? One of the first ways, again, I mentioned it a few times tonight, is that Salt and pepper gathering that we're doing. It's an easy way for us to start helping others. Another example, and I've mentioned this a bunch of times, and the reason I keep repeating this over and over and over again is because it makes a huge difference. But one of the biggest things that each of you can do, and you don't realize it, but one of the biggest things that each of you can do that most of you have the opportunity to do is at school. I know there are so many people in your school who are feeling alone and stuck, just, you know, perhaps lonely like a Scrooge was in the middle of that movie when he realized, I'm all alone. I have no doubt there are people in your school who are feeling that way right now, who are feeling alone, who are feeling stuck, who are feeling hopeless, and you have the chance just to talk to them, to bring them a little bit of hope, give them a smile, you have the chance to do that? and I know it's easy just for you to walk out this door and just go back to school, do your normal thing, talk to your normal friends, but I'm telling you, you have the chance to make a true difference here. And so please, just do it. Let me do like the the classic Shia LaBeouf meme, like do it, just do it. Does anyone get that reference? Am I like 10 years behind? I know Mary's smiling at me at least. Thank you, Ryan. All of you in your small groups you better look that up then after this drew thank you for giving me a laugh all all of the small group leaders i appreciate it but there's a lot of opportunities you have where you can start living this out like maybe it's a friend whose parents have just gone through a divorce you get the chance to help them out you can help them out and maybe it could be this year for christmas you're telling your parents you know what i don't want to get so many things for myself Instead. Maybe use part of the money you were going to use to buy gifts for me. Let's use that to try and bless someone else this year. Maybe It's something like that. There are so many different ways that you can do this, that you can live this out. And so I'm going to stop talking. I'm going to let you kind of discuss more of that in your small groups. So let me pray. I'll get you to your small groups. And uh, let's end the night here. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for this awesome night. Thank you for this awesome group of teenagers and leaders. Just We're so grateful for the chance to study your words that you gave us, these words that you gave us to live by. And Father, I apologize because it is so easy for us to fail. It's so easy. And I know I often, often fail when it comes to this teaching about being trapped and controlled by these earthly treasures and possessions and wealth. And Lord, it's my prayer that we do not let these things control our lives, but instead we live our lives in such a way that we live lives of contentment, and we live lives that are focused on loving you and loving others. And God, it's my prayer that each and every person in this room will go out and put that into action this week. We'll follow your teaching and do what is wise, and build their house on solid rock. So, Lord, thank you for this group. Thank you for their their commitment to following you. Thanks for listening to tonight's lesson. As always, you can go back and listen to any previous lessons that you might have missed. Also, if you want to stay up to date with what is happening in the Five Forks Student Ministries, we encourage you to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, where you can find us under Five Forks Students. Or you can check out our website, ffbic.org slash students.